Okay, so I want to read you a passage out of Psalms. This would be from uh, Psalms 37. It says, Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. And do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger. Forsake wrath. Do not fret because it only causes harm. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait on the Lord shall inherit the earth. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall be no more. Indeed, you'll look carefully for his place, but it shall be no more. But the meek shall inherit the earth, and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. The steps of a good man are order of the Lord. He delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. I have been young, and now I'm old, and yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. He is ever merciful, and he lends. His descendants are blessed. Depart from evil and do good, and dwell forevermore. For the Lord loves justice, and he does not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever. But the descendants of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell in it forever. The mouth of the righteous speaks wisdom, and his tongue talks of justice. The law of his God is in his heart, and none of his steps shall slide. Mark the blameless man and observe the upright, for the future of that man is peace. But the transgressor shall be destroyed altogether. The future of the wicked shall be cut off, but the salvation of the righteousness from the Lord. He is their strength in the time of trouble, and the Lord shall help them and deliver them, and he shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in him. So this is Independence uh, Weekend. We celebrate our freedom as a nation. And we're going to celebrate our freedom as a people today, a people who know God, a people who've been set free. And all this past, I read all that to you because I want you to understand that there's a lot of bad stuff that goes on in the world. But God is always the same. He never changes. He says there's life and there's death. Choose life. There's wickedness and there's good. The wickedness is going to be for a short time, and then it's going to be gone. And those who practice it are going to be gone. But the righteous will live forever. Dwell in the land and live in it forevermore, he says. So we're starting a journey as Christians. We are in this life but it's a temporal thing and we are going to an eternal destiny yes, and we are beginning to experience that eternal 
glory even now in this life. And that's what God has called us to do. He said, I have a life more abundantly for you. And he is calling us to experience that. So we have to get our eyes on him. Not focus on all the, the stuff that's going on in the world. Yeah, we're aware of it. We hear about it. How could you not hear about it 24-7? That's all they talk about. And yet, God has better things in store. God cares about things that are totally different. So we've got to get our eyes on the Lord. So this morning, this morning, Lord, we choose to worship you. We choose to lift your name. We choose to exalt you. And we're going to lay aside all of our burdens. We're going to lay aside all of our frustrations and all of those those fears and anxieties and, and concerns and all the, the 24-7 talk about the virus and talk about uh, this nation and talk about all the different things that they talk about. Lord, we want to talk about you. We want to talk about your goodness. We want to lift you up because you are worthy to be praised. And your name is to be exalted for you are high above and far above all principalities and powers. You're far above all dominions and thrones. You rule and you reign, Lord. You created everything with the words of your mouth and you set it all in order. By that same power of your word, you keep it all in order. Lord, and you are God and you are worthy to be praised. So we choose. We choose to focus on you this morning. We choose to worship you and honor you. We choose to lift up your name. And as we do that, Lord, we invite you to come. Be here with us this morning. Fill us with your presence. Change us in your presence. Transform us from glory to glory in your presence, Lord. I thank you for that. Let's worship in Jesus' name. Amen.
appropriate message. Let the exile come, let the stranger come, let the weary come find rest, all you homeless sons. All you widowed ones, all you poor and dispossessed, for a table waits in your Father's house. There the meek can come and eat. There's a place of rest at your Father's breast, where His mercy is complete. cry ring out from a broken nation, from a people who have been brought low. Was pride in our hearts, and did we grieve your spirits? Have we blocked the ancient wells that flow? Here is our covenant prayer. tasted grace and we have known your mercy but we have not shown this grace to men here is our covenant prayer who call upon your
gates of safety be a light for all the nations of this earth. May your streams of love, may they flow here freely, here where every stranger finds a home. Here is our covenant prayer, who call upon your
Hallelujah. Lord, this morning, we are so thankful. So thankful that you gave up everything, Lord. And I, I don't ever want to forget that you gave up what you gave up for us. We didn't deserve it. But Lord, you gave it because you love us. You first loved us, and we, when we were separated from you and we didn't care anything about you, you loved us and you gave everything for us. Thank you, I thank you for that. Thank you, Jesus. And Lord, I pray that you would heal this land. We've got so much going on in this country and in the world. Your word says that in this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. And so, Lord, I thank you for all the problems that we have. You are the solution. That has never changed. You are the answer to all of our questions. You are the solution to all of our problems. You have the healing for all of our sickness. You have redemption for all of our brokenness. And on the cross, when you said it is finished, yes. you proclaim that everything we need in this life and in the life to come is already provided in you. So, Lord, we thank you for that. And I confess, Lord, that I need to be broken over the condition of your people, the condition of this nation, the condition of of all that's going on, Lord, I, I need to be broken over. I need to be burdened over that. I need to be lamenting over the fact that we are so divided and so uncivil in our behavior towards one another. We had disagreements with politicians, disagreements in ideology, disagreements in philosophy and political viewpoints and religious viewpoints. Lord, we are so quick to be judgmental and critical. Forgive us. Forgive me, Lord. Help me to turn from that and to humbly submit myself to you so that I can love the way that you love. Change my heart, Lord, so that I can be like you. So I would see men the way you see them. And I wouldn't look at, at anything about them that might be different from me and, and automatically think anything other than thoughts of love, just like you think. When you look at each one of us, it doesn't matter our skin color or what language we speak or the color of our hair or how many piercings we have or what our political viewpoints are. You look at each one of us and you consider us a treasure that you desire to be in a relationship with. So Lord, forgive me. Cleanse me from wrong attitudes, from any prejudice or bias that I may have, any any uh, preconceived ideas about how people might be because of the way they're dressed or the way they, they wear their hair or any of those things. Lord, I, I don't want to look at people in any way other than with eyes of love and mercy and humility the way that you did, Jesus. You receive people. You receive sinners. You came to call the sinners to repentance. You ate with the sinners. You, you hung out with them because you loved them. You didn't condone their behavior, but you, 
You showed them that you accepted them as human beings that were loved and were valuable. And so, Lord, I want to be that way. I want to see people with your eyes. Help us as your people, Lord, those who are called by your name in a covenant prayer that we would say, Lord, forgive us, cleanse us, heal us. Heal your people first so that you can heal this nation, Lord. Let your body rise up and be the people that you've called us to be, that we would be the light in the darkness, that your love would shine through us, that people would know that you're in us because of the love we have for them. And Lord, as you heal us spiritually and emotionally, then you can heal all this other stuff that's going on. We come against this virus and we, we pray healing and health and wholeness over this nation. Jesus name for those in our body who are sick or or have loved ones who might be sick Lord we pray healing and health and wholeness over them we proclaim your victory and your peace in every area of our lives we need you Lord we need you more and more of you all the time Lord our desire is to be drawn to you more and more This morning, we want to hear from you, Lord. We want to hear your word, hear your voice clearly. And all those other voices that are clamoring in our ears, the, the news and the politicians and the protesters and all the things that are going on in this world, Lord, we want to set all that aside so we can hear your voice, hear the words that you're speaking over us, words of love, peace, and joy, and freedom. Blessing and favor, healing and wholeness, abundance of your goodness. I thank you, Lord, that you speak those words over us in your word and in our hearts. You speak those words over us every day. Give us ears to hear. Give us hearts to respond to your words, Lord. We would hear your voice over all those other voices. And know that in your word, Lord, there is power. For your word is alive and is powerful. Yes. That same word that you spoke in the beginning when you created everything. That same word that you spoke in the beginning when you set it all in order. By the power of that same word, you keep it in order and you work in us, Lord. We thank you for that. Hallelujah. Lord, I thank you that you are here. Speak to us, Lord, through your word. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Yeah, we'll make a lot of transition here. Changing microphones. Okay, you know, Thank you, worship team, and uh, thank you for those who are here. Um, last minute decision to cancel the live services, but we decided we're not gonna turn anybody away. If you came, we're gonna just encourage you to keep your distance and do right, and uh, who knows what's gonna happen over the next few weeks. Um, I'm optimistic that uh, this won't be a long-lasting thing, although I'm I think I saw something this morning where the governor has amended his
is a deal, so maybe, maybe there's something we're going to have to deal with for a few weeks or longer. So I would encourage you just to watch your emails because I'll be posting stuff about what we're doing and we'll try to get it on Facebook and all that sort of thing so we can keep you aware of, the, of what we're doing. We will have uh, live streaming every week and so if you, even if we don't have in-person services, there'll be uh, an opportunity for you to watch it on the internet. It'll also be on our podcast. If you can't watch it live, you can see it later. And um, I'm optimistic that we're gonna make it through this because there's not anything, no weapon formed against you so prosper. Yes. And so all of this stuff, as frustrating as it is and aggravating as it is and uh, all the other adjectives and adverbs and descriptions you want to put on it, I don't like it. I know you don't either, but it's going to be okay. Yes. God's people can survive this and make it through and not only survive, but we can thrive. We can come through this and we can be victorious. We can enjoy all of God's blessing and favor. In my mind, that doesn't change any of, of what God says. Amen. This is, uh, it's horrible, but there's a lot of horrible things that have happened in the history of the world, and God's people can survive. We know that. And so we're, we're encouraged by the fact that God's word is true and he is faithful. That's why, we, that's why we post this up here and we keep this prominently displayed because we believe that with all of our hearts that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes, and his word never changes. So we're back to not really having very many announcements. I like that. So, uh, but I would say uh, just keep looking uh, for things by email each week. I'll be sending out emails, and if you happen to be new um, and we don't have your email address, then uh, I'm sorry, but you can email me or call me. Um, I think my email address is on the website, but if it's not, it's tpulliam123 at gmail.com. Or you can go on the website and fill out one of those things and send it in, and I don't know how all that works, but I usually get the messages. You can call the church and leave a, uh, leave a message. You can call me on my cell phone. Call me anything you want. I'm pretty laid back. So, um, I want to read something to you. Uh, actually, I just want to read a few, uh, a few passages of Scripture. This is Independence Day. Oh, and it's July, so uh, everybody's got July birthdays. Yoo-hoo! Happy birthday to you. Right there? Okay. Got one? Good. All right. So uh, I'm not going to sing to you or anything, but uh, happy birthday. And each week we're going we're gonna to rejoice over the birthdays that we celebrate. Um, so this is Independence Day. We sometimes we do uh, we do videos and things, and I'm totally unprepared, so I didn't have a video for you. That's nothing new. Y'all that know me halfway know that I'm about I'm about halfway unprepared all the time, uh, and I don't really do that much in the way of videos. But I got to thinking about it, and um, everybody has an Independence Day of sorts in their life, and we. We all have a national pride about, uh, you know, our, our heritage and where we've been as a nation. Uh, no matter what nation you're from, everybody has pride about their nation, and they have an independence because almost all of us have had 
times in our history where we were in bondage to some other nation. Uh, the children of Israel in the scripture, you know, were constantly in bondage and getting delivered. And so um, I want to read this, this few scriptures to you because it speaks about independence in a, in a more personal way, biblical way, that I think we can all relate to. And we've all had our, our struggles and our areas where maybe we've been bound and then we've seen the freedom of the Lord come and, and uh, change us. In Isaiah 61, by the way, uh, Isaiah was uh, written about 700 years before Jesus came. And when Jesus came, this is the first thing he said publicly when he began his ministry. He read this passage and he said, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, in the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. So Jesus was basically saying, this is who I am and this is why I've come, to proclaim healing to the brokenhearted, freedom to the captives, restoring of sight to those who are blind, the day of the Lord, which is, uh, I believe, it was the day of, uh, it was the day of freedom that was proclaimed every 50 years, where everyone was released. Those who had been in slavery, those who owed money, all debts were released. It was, uh, it was the day of the Lord, where everything was made new. Everything started over with a fresh start. It's pretty cool. Each one of us can have that day. It doesn't have to come every 50 years. It can come every day because God's mercy is fresh and new every morning, and it never runs out. Paul in Galatians 5 says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. Do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. So Jesus came and gave us liberty and freedom, and we need to stand in that freedom. Just like we choose to stand in that freedom as a nation, we need to, as individuals, stand in the freedom that we've received in Christ. And it's a choice. If you want to go back into bondage, you know, there's plenty of bondage out there, and the world will try to draw you back in. That's why Paul was saying this, because people were going around spreading uh, an incorrect doctrine and trying to deceive people and get them back into bondage. And he was saying, don't do it. Stand in the freedom that you're in. And then in James 1, it says, But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. <clears throat> so the Word of God is the perfect law of liberty. If you want to know how to walk in freedom, read God's Word. You want to know what freedom looks like, read the Word. You want to know what love looks like, Read the Word, because that it describes who God is. It describes how Jesus lived 
And that helps to see how all that works in real life, everyday life. If you want to see how love is supposed to look, read about Jesus in the Word of God. If you want to know how God's grace works, read the Word of God because it explains it. It's all right there. So as we celebrate all the good things uh, that have happened in and through and for this nation, I also want you to celebrate as individuals about all that's happened in and for and through you as a believer. Because Jesus has set us free, and we need to stand in that freedom. And all the problems of this life, like I said earlier when I was praying, Jesus is the answer. That has not changed. It will never change. He is still the answer. The simple truth, Jesus is the answer. So we ought to talk about that. We ought to talk about that pretty freely. You know, instead of talking about what a great bargain there is down at Walmart or how cheap gas is over there, how about we talk about how great God is? It's a novel idea. If you went around talking about how great God is all the time, other people would say, huh, I want to check that out. How good is God? Why don't we talk about God more? Is it because of fear? Is it because of uh, concerns that we might be rejected or laughed at or ridiculed or teased? Are we not convinced of God's goodness? Maybe it's a little bit of all that. Truth is, we ought to be jumping them down excited all the time, shouting about God's goodness. If you think about how much God has done for you, how could you not be excited about it? Amen. I mean, in my own life, I've got so much to be thankful for. And you know, you, we all do. But I, I remember, I remember when I was a young man and didn't know the Lord and how, even though I was resistant, even though I rejected, you know, I would, and I hate to even confess this, but you know, I'd sit in the church service and they'd be preaching and they'd get to the end of the service and they'd say, anybody that doesn't know the Lord, you know, you need to come down and be prayed for it. Man, I'd be hanging on to that pew and thinking, I need to go, but I'm not going to go. I need to go, but I'm not going to go. And I would dread going to church every week because I knew what was going to happen. <laughs> I knew every week I was going to get under conviction and I was going to be, you know, feeling that need to go, but I wasn't ready. But what I'm so thankful of is that God didn't give up. He just kept loving me and he kept calling me. And I love that song we sing, Brian, where he won my heart. Because he did. Eventually, his great love won my heart. And I said yes. And it wasn't because anything that I did, but it was his grace, his grace alone, and his great love for me. If you, if you just remember that, you can't help but want to talk about it. Because where would I be without God? I would be a really rotten slob. That's what I would be. Sometimes I'm still a rotten slob. You can ask my wife, she'll tell you. But I'm, I'm getting better. Slowly, very slowly, but surely. So, happy Independence Day. So we're going to continue in our, uh, our series about uh, wounds of the soul. And today we're going to talk about something that's near and dear to my heart. Bitterness. <laughs> Actually, uh, I say that jokingly because uh, bitterness and, and unforgiveness are tied pretty closely together. And I, I had some real uh, struggles in my life, and I missed out on a lot of wonderful things that God probably would have done 
because I allowed that to be part of my life. And I, I didn't really choose it. It was just, it was there and I just didn't recognize it and didn't deal with it. But, uh, but again, thanks to God's goodness and mercy, he didn't just leave me stuck in unforgiveness and bitterness. He kept sending people into my life that would talk to me about it. And they'd come along and they'd say, huh, I think from talking to you, it sounds like you might have some unforgiveness. And I'd say, well, maybe I do. And so I'd pray and I'd say, Lord, you know, forgive me of unforgiveness. And then next time I'd think about those events, I'd just be mad again and be getting right back into it. And then I finally got, it, got the correct teaching so that I could deal with it in the right way and I've been free ever since. And it changed everything about my life. So I am who I am today and where I am today um, really because of all my failures and because of God's redemptions of all of those failures. So I celebrate God's forgiveness and redemption in my life. So in order to help you understand how bitterness works, uh, I want to share a story with you from the scripture. <clears throat> and, and by the way, the wounds of your soul that I'm talking about, we all have them. Uh, we've all probably been healed of a lot of them, but I'm promising you've got some still there that you don't know about because it's, a, it's an ongoing process. So everything that you experience in life, uh, the, the family you're born into, the conditions you're born into, the things you're taught, people who, who hurt you physically or emotionally, uh, things that you do, things that you choose, all of those things affect you. They leave, they leave wounds in our souls. Our souls, our inner man, our mind, our will, and emotions is who we are, basically. And that part of us is wounded. Now, when we come to Christ, he, he makes us into a new creation. And uh, that changes our relationship with God. It gives us the ability to communicate with God. It gives us the ability to begin to walk with him. But we still got our old nature that's part of our lives. It doesn't just automatically go away. And so the wounds of our soul, they're kind of like, I would say, hanger-owners. They just kind of keep hanging on. And we have these areas in our lives that as the Lord reveals them to us, we can be healed of them and we can be set free. And those things are there whether you recognize them or not. I walked in unforgiveness for close to 25 years, and I really didn't do it, like, willingly. I just, I didn't realize that was my problem until I received some teaching about it, and I got some revelation inside. I was like, wow, that's what's going on. And just this morning, I was praying, and I said, Lord, since I'm going to speak about bitterness, I'm asking you to shine your light in me and expose any areas of bitterness in me, any areas where I might, you know, really have a stronghold there or a problem, an area in my soul where bitterness has a right to be there because of things I've done. And I don't know where it all got started, but I, I became pretty keenly aware this morning that I definitely have some roots of bitterness in me. And it mostly, it mostly rears up in relation to politics. And, uh, you know, I don't know why. I don't, I don't really study politics all that much, but you know, I, I have an opinion, and I'm pretty strong-willed, pretty strong-minded sometimes, and so when I start talking about politics, I begin to get loud, and I get all passionate, you know, and the same way I do when I preach. 
I get loud and I get, I get excited because I, I believe in what I'm saying. Well, when I start talking about politics, especially if I'm talking about what I don't agree with, I get, I get all excited. And so I realize that, that I need to be healed of that because that's really not the way I should be responding. I ought to be able to have a disagreement with somebody and, and be calm and be able to discuss and not get all freaky and weird even if they get freaky and weird. And so I, I, I dealt with that this morning. And uh, I was sharing with someone earlier, we were talking about some political things, and I didn't get all loud and freaky and weird. I just was, we talked about it. So I'm telling you, God can heal you. You can get set free. Whether it's bitterness or unforgiveness or any other thing that's going on in your life, God wants you to be free. And it's, it's a pretty simple process, but if you don't understand or know how it works, then you can be like me. You can just be walking along and letting that control big areas of your life and messing up relationships and causing all kinds of problems in your life because you've not dealt with it. Okay, so back to the story. I want to talk to you about um, a few men, starting with King Saul. Um, King Saul was the first king over Israel, and he started out with a pretty good start, uh, but he quickly let pride go to his head, and he started changing, and uh, in those days, just like now, you know, everybody had families, but royalty, their families and friends were kind of treated totally different. Well, it's maybe not that much different than some politicians and things nowadays, or wealthy people, you know. They, they kind of know how to take care of their own, so to speak. Well, so Saul had a, a cousin named Abner. Now, Saul was the first king. David was the second king. And Saul, because he became prideful and disobeyed God and rebelled, God said, I'm going to take the kingdom away from you, and I'm going to give it to someone else. And, and he anointed David to be the king. And everybody pretty much knew that that's what was happening. I mean, it wasn't something that was done in a closet. I mean, it was pretty much known across the whole nation of Israel that Saul was not going to be the king, and his family was not going to take over the kingdom, but it was going to be given to another. It was going to be given to David. So those two men, Saul and David, represent the flesh and the spirit, basically, because uh, Saul was... He was a king that the people chose, and uh, they wanted a king, and he did things in his natural ways. David was a king that God chose, and he did things according to the leading of the Spirit. He always was praying and said, God, you know, what should I do? And he always respected the law of God and the Word of God. It was like the flesh and spirit. So Saul had Abner, his cousin, as the commander of his army. So then when, uh, when Saul and uh, Jonathan, his son, were killed in a battle, some things happened. Uh, first of all, David was anointed king openly over all of Judah, and the rest of the nation was kind of standing back and watching all that. And then Abner, who was, you know, he was a Saul relative, he chooses Ishbosheth, who was one of Saul's sons, to be the king over Israel. 
and he, he sets him up as king. He tells everybody he's the king, and so now you've got a split kingdom. So he got Saul's people on one side, and David and his people on the other side. So all of Israel was following, following uh, Saul's kingdom except Judah. So that went on for several years, and, uh, but there was this bitterness that was going on between them. There was a bitterness between Saul's people and David's people. Saul's people wanted to have it all. David's people wanted to have it all because they knew he was rightfully the, the anointed king and he was supposed to be the king. And so there was this bitterness going on. And that's the way it works. Bitterness, it, it can be caused because of family disputes. It can be caused by uh, political disputes. It can be caused by anything, but it, it grows and it festers, and it just, it's there. And it will make you blind eventually, not necessarily physically, but it will make you blind to the circumstances so you don't see things the way that you ought to. So in this situation, uh, you got this bitterness between them. They're, you know, I mean, they're not really having a whole lot of problem. They just, they both want something that the other is not willing to give. So one day, David's guys, now David wasn't there, but Abner, and uh, excuse me, Joab was uh, David's right-hand man, led his army. So Joab was with some men from David's bunch. Abner was the leader of Ishbosheth's army. And they all sat down and they said, let's do something cool. Let's have a little display, a little, a little, a little fight. Let's choose up some guys from each side and let's let them rise up and uh, compete. So they said, okay, that sounds good. So they picked out 12 guys from each side, and they play for keeps. You know, I mean, this, you know, you think it'd be like now, you know, you have a boxing match or you, you know, whatever. I mean, these guys had swords and stuff, and they went at it. And it must have been a miracle because all 24 of them killed each other at the same time, basically, and nobody survived, so no one was the winner. And when that happened, all that bitterness that had been festering in everybody and the heat of the moment and the excitement, both armies just rose up and just, and they just, they just attacked each other. And David's guys started winning and uh, Abner and all of his people turned and ran. Now, probably would be the same today, but especially in those days, because they had shields when they were engaging a battle, they protected themselves, but when they turned and ran, you know, they weren't holding their shield behind their back. They were just running for all they were worth. And so Joab and his men pursued them, and they were shooting them with arrows and stabbing them in the back. And so as they ran away, about 350 or 400 of Abner's men were killed, but only 20 of David's men were killed. That was a pretty big slaughter, really. And so they chased them, and everybody was panicked. Finally, Abner's guys got together, they, they came to a kind of a hill and they all got, got their act together and they all got ready in case there was another big battle and, and the, here comes the army of Joab and they could see him and Abner, he hollers out. He said, whoa, hey, hey. He said, how long are you going to keep pursuing us? How long are you going to devour us with a sword? Don't you know that in the end it's just going to be bitterness? He said, how about you quit pursuing us? We're your brethren. And so Joab responds, and he says, you're right. 
You know, as the Lord lives, so be it. He said, if you hadn't got up and said that, we would have pursued you all night until the morning. Maybe beyond that. But because you said that, we're going to quit. So he blew the shofar, and they all stopped, and everybody's happy. They go back home. But the interesting thing about this, Abner says this stuff like, you're doing all this stuff. You're the one that's causing this problem. How long are you going to do it? Why don't you quit? And the truth is, Abner's the one that started it all. Abner's the one that started it by, by selecting the wrong king and supporting him. Abner's the one that started because he's the one that said, let's let them rise up and have a little competition. Abner was doing it all, and yet he was so blind to it that he was accusing Joab of it. That's the way bitterness works. You don't even see that it's going on. And you can be so bitter that you're just doing your own thing and you're causing all kinds of death and destruction and problems in the wake of your life and you're just oblivious to it. That's the way bitterness works. And that's exactly what he said. He had enough gumption to even understand it. He said, don't you understand that this is just going to be bitterness in the end? I mean, where is it going to ever end? We're going to be bitter from now on. As a matter of fact, the scripture said there was a long war now, they weren't physically fighting all the time, but I mean, between the two nations, there was bitterness. And I presume there were little skirmishes that broke out and, and people would go in and raid someone's farm and burn their house. And, you know, just meanness going on back and forth, back and forth for years and years and years while those two kingdoms were separated because of the bitterness. That's the way bitterness works. You look around at our nation right now, I mean, we're, we got some bitterness going on. I don't care which side you're on. I don't care, you know, what the history of it all is. There's some bitterness going on. And, we need, and, and you can make laws, you can legislate, you can do everything you want, but the only way you can stop all of that is for people's hearts to change. At some point, you got to choose to blow the shofar, man. I mean, you got to say, that's it, you know, I'm giving it up. I choose to give it up. Do you have a right to be bitter? Maybe so. Do you have a right to want to pursue and, and chase them down until you kick their tails? Yeah, maybe you do. But if you do that, in the end, it's just going to be more bitterness for you and more death and destruction and problem. It is not going to cause anything but harm. Matter of fact, I didn't even know that psalm this morning that I read first thing. It actually says that. Don't you know that it's just going to cause more harm? I wasn't planning on using that in my sermon, but it, it just, that's just the passage I read. So it's interesting because that story gives us the, uh, it gives us the lay of the land to understand how bitterness works. And all these stories in the Old Testament they are there for our example so that we can learn from them because they, they show us things in, in real history so that we can understand how the, that works in the spiritual world so we can see how it works in real life. So when we hear Paul or, or Peter or someone in the New Testament say something about bitterness or unforgiveness or wrath or anger, you know, we read those words and it's like, yeah, whatever. 
But when you just read a story and you see how it plays out in real life, then it makes more sense to you. And when you look at your own life, maybe you look back in your own life at times where you had bitterness and anger and you allowed it to control a part of your life, a, a way of thinking where every time someone would say something, you know, they, that's one of the things everybody talks about now, triggers. Uh, I'm not really all that into it, but, it, but there's some truth there because when I had all that unforgiveness and bitterness working in my life, even though I hadn't really identified it as such, certain things that people would say it would, I mean, those memories would come back from where I was hurt, where I was wounded, where I had been wronged, and where I had, basically, I had made vows. I had made vows saying, I'm not ever going to allow that to happen to me again. And when you do that, then anytime those memories come up, all that just comes up alive like it was just yesterday. I mean, the fresh wound, it's just there. So, I share these Old Testament stories with you because I want you to get it. I want you to understand how it works in real life. And I promise you, in your own life, you know, you may be thinking of stuff right now, but uh, as you go home or you go about your business and you start thinking about this more, the Lord will begin to bring up things where you've got unforgiveness or bitterness working. And, and we all have it. And I'm not saying we're all going to hell. I'm just saying we've all got areas in our life that we... We're not completely free. But God wants us to be free. Because it will be bitterness in the end if we don't get free. And I don't want bitterness in my life. Now we're going to move to Acts 8. This is a story about uh, Peter. He's having this big revival. And uh, people are getting saved. The Holy Spirit was being poured out. People were you know, having miracles. All these things were happening. There was a guy that got saved who had been a sorcerer. His name was Simon. They called him Simon the Sorcerer, you know, kind of like Terry the Preacher, you know, Simon the Sorcerer. Well, they might not really be that similar, but name-wise. So Simon, well, he, he converted, and he became a Christian, and he was all excited about what God was doing. And then when he saw these miracles happening, the old flesh took over, and it just reared up, you know, and he started speaking. He said, man, Peter, how much, you know, how much would you charge? I'll give you some money that I can have this gift too. And Peter immediately said, whoa, dude, you know, you, you're way out of line. You know, this is not some gift that you can purchase. And this is what he says to him in, in verse 22, Acts 8, 22 and 23. He says, repent, therefore, of this your wickedness and pray, God, that perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. Poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. That's a bad place to be. Now, the next verse, it really just kind of goes right on and starts talking about the revival again. It doesn't say that, that Simon was healed or delivered or what happened. Don't really know. But I know this, that being poisoned and bound in iniquity or bound by iniquity, that, that is the truth. That's what happens to you. When you allow bitterness, and bitterness is poison. The old, the old King James says that I perceive that 
you are in the gall of bitterness and bound in iniquity. The gall of bitterness. That gall is, uh, it was basically, it was a poisonous plant. I mean, there was any kind of a plant that would be poisonous. So if you eat it, you're going to be poisoned. And you know, when you're poisoned, what happens? You're sick. You don't feel good. You don't like hanging around with people. You don't want to act right with other people. You know, when you're, you're sick, you're, maybe you're throwing up and all kinds of things. You don't really want to be around people. I mean, you're just miserable. Poisoned. You don't want to be poisoned. And then when he says you're bound by iniquity, iniquity in the New Testament, uh, really, I think Old, Old Testament, New Testament, both those words, they mean a, a bent or a twist. It means that you have a way in your life. It's a, it's a predisposition. If you allow bitterness or poison to come in, then you will be bound or unified with that, chained to it, so to speak, and it's going to determine how you function, how you act, how you talk, how you think, all the ways that you relate to other people and to God. You could say that what Peter said to him was that you are, you are full of bitterness and poison and you are chained to that poison. So how do you get free? Well, same way you get free of anything, you ask the Lord to set you free, right? <clears throat> but I think in this case, when, when you have a situation in your life where you have given place to the devil, and let's, let's go ahead and read that passage because that's the next scripture we're going to read. No, well, actually, getting ahead of myself, I want to read one more passage here about... Uh, about bitterness. Hebrews 12, 14 and 15 says, Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord, looking carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. So there you go again. If you've got a root of bitterness growing in you, you've got poison in you, and you're allowing it to just hang on, then it's going to defile not only you, but other people. It says, if you go to root or bitterness, many are going to become defiled because it just spews out. It just spews out like poison. You know, like me, spewing out politically. <laughs> just spewing it out. And everybody around me, you know, is like, I wish you'd shut up. My wife, you know, we get to talking about it, and I start talking, I get loud, she says, shh, I'm right here. I don't even realize I'm talking loud. But, but that's the way it works. You have this poison, and it just starts coming out of you. It's coming out of you. And it defiles everybody around you. It grosses everybody out. I mean, this is really gross, but just think about it. What if you were throwing up? You're like, you know? I mean, that's gross. Nobody wants to be around that, you know? Hey, yeah. Yeah, get that off of me. That's, that's the way it is. You don't know it, though. You don't realize it. You're just doing what you're comfortable doing because you think that's who you are. Well, that's not who you are. That's who the devil has turned you into. God wants to set you free so that you aren't like that anymore. Bitterness 
is poison. And it will poison you and everybody around you. So in uh, Ephesians 4, verse 22 through 32, I'm going to read this to you. He says that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. See, that's what I'm talking about right there. If, you're, if you are angry and you're going around spewing wrath and anger because you're poisoned inside and you're, and you're passionate about what you believe, but you're just spewing out this poison, you're giving place to the devil in your life. You may not be saying, come on in, but that's what you're saying. Come on in. We need to be saying, get on out. Move it along. No place here. Nothing to see here. Move it along. If you give place to the devil, guess what? He's going to stay. And it doesn't matter if you invite him or you just allow it to happen because you don't realize it's happening. Either way, he's going to stay until you give him the left foot of fellowship and kick him on down the road. It's exactly what happened to Adam and Eve. When they rebelled, they chose the tree of knowledge of good and evil instead of the tree of life. They lost out with God. They basically handed over the keys to the devil for the entire world. And they said, okay, you know, you're in control down here now. We lost it because we followed you. And so every time we choose to follow the devil in his ways instead of God, we're giving place to him in some way or another. You know, I'm not saying every time you, you mess up that, you know, the devil's possessing you. I'm just saying we choose. And when we choose, the devil takes advantage of that. And he begins to get a place. And when he gets a place, that place is going to be there. That's going to be a wound in your soul that's going to be there until you get it healed. And so that poison, that bitterness is going to just hang on until you deal with it. And you can do like me. You can, you can ask for forgiveness of unforgiveness. That's what I did over and over. And I'd be forgiven. And then those demonic influences that were there that had that place, they'd just come back and they, they would start getting control of that again. First thing you know, I was right back in unforgiveness. You, you, have, to, you have to deal with it legally by removing the place. As long as he's got a place, he's just going to keep coming back to that place. Jesus said, you cast out a devil and it goes and it, it wanders around in desert places and, and then it finds that the place is still, it's clean and sweat, but it's not really filled up. And so he gets seven more devils worse than himself and he comes back and they come back in. That, I believe that's how it works. You get free and the, you know, the, the bad evil influences are there. They, they're trying to come back. And if you don't have a way of, of dealing with it, they will come back. And they'll come back and they'll get control again. It's like people that say, yeah, I can quit smoking. I can quit all the time. Yeah, I quit every Friday. You know, you, you, if you're going to have to really get free to be free, and you can maintain your freedom once you do it the right way. So 
Let's keep reading in Ephesians. Do not give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give to him who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Now, this is talking about interpersonal relationships. You understand that, right? I mean, it says don't let evil communication come out of your mouth. You know, the the spewing poison, the wrath and the anger and the clamoring. Don't be doing that. Be doing things that are good for the edification of those who are hearing. That you could impart some grace to them. That's, that really ought to be hitting home with all of us. I mean, how guilty are all of us at times of saying things well, you know, old brother so-and-so, I love him, bless his heart, but, you know, you probably just ought to shut up right there and not say all that other stuff. Well, you know, I like so-and-so, but I really wish they would, and my favorite of all, no disrespect intended, but, you know, Wow. You know, if you've got to say something like that in front of it, you might as well just not say it because that's a pretty good indication you're probably fixing to say something that's not all that good. Oh, man. You know, this, it's really, all of, the, all of the gospel is so simple, and yet we make it all complicated and difficult and challenging. But God, he just loves us, and he wants good things to happen in us and for us and through us. And if we just submit ourselves to him, say, here I am. And I recognize that I'm broken, I'm messed up, I've got wounds, I've got, I've got areas in my life that I know are not yielded to you, but I want to be right, I want to be healed, I want to be whole. Shine that light in me, expose all that so I can make it right. These words that Paul uses here when he says bitterness, Literally, that means acridity. It means it's like, it's poison. You know, it's bitter. It's poison. Let all bitterness, wrath, and wrath is, uh, it's passion. It's a boiling up and a settling back down. And a boiling up and then a settling back down. I got that going on sometimes. You know, I, I, get, I get all worked up. And then when I quit yammering about it, I, I calm back down. But then the next time, here I go again, you know. Let all poison and boiling up. And then he says anger. And that word, it literally means not only anger, but vengeance and punishment. I mean, you, you've been wronged, and by golly, you want a little payback. Is that so wrong to want payback? Well, yeah. It is. <laughs> because God says, vengeance is mine. 
I'll do the repaying. And the reason is because God is just. We're not just. We're human. We're flawed. We're controlled by our emotions and by our heart. And when your heart has bad stuff in it, then it's hard to be just. And so we respond the way that our heart is leading us. And so, you know, somebody, somebody steps on our toe, we want to club them. And that's not really equal. You know, I mean, they step on your toe by accident, and then we want to just, you know, run them over the car. Just, I mean, just destroy them. I mean, wow, they did me wrong, and by golly, they're going to pay. That's the way we want to have our uh, vengeance. So God wants to be in control of that because he's just. Clamor, it means an outcry. It literally means a croaking like some raven or something does, a shrieking. You ever been around somebody that you, I mean, it's like they were shrieking? Not, maybe not physically, but just, I mean, the words that they were saying, it's just like, oh, you know, just, would you please stop? You're hurting my ears. And then evil speaking. That means a vilification injurious to another's good name. Well, you know, now, brother so-and-so, he's a pretty good guy, but you want to do something injurious to their name because they said something or did something that offended you or hurt you. He says, put all that stuff away with all malice. And malice means malignity or ill will or desire to injure. So every one of these words that Paul uses there are all about you know, hurting someone, punishing them, paying them back, destroying their name, their reputation. I mean, you want to get them. Get them good, you know. And because you feel so righteous about it all, you may even be praying, God, get them. Get them, God. Get them good. And God wants to get them good. He wants to forgive them, and he wants to heal them, and he wants to, he wants to make them a new creation. You understand that God is not all about punishment. He's about love. And the punishment is going to happen if you reject him. There will be a day of reckoning. But if we are walking with the Lord, you know, we're not walking under his judgment and wrath. We're walking under his blessing and favor. Now, he'll bring correction into our lives as needed. And if you respond, everything's hunky-dory. If you're a bullhead and you resist, then you're going to get a little stronger correction. And if you really resist, you're going to get a whooping. That's what it says in Hebrews. But it's all for our good. That's what it says. It is for our good. So the, the end result will be that we will have peaceable fruit of righteousness in our lives if we'll allow the chastening of the Lord to train us. To train us. So when the things happen in our life we don't understand, bad things are going on, we ought to be saying, Lord, what, are we, what do I need to do? Are you saying something to me? What, what needs to happen? Do I need to change? And if you'll respond that way, and God will show you what it is, you can make those corrections and you'll be good. But if you just go on and, oh, man, I don't know why I keep having this problem, <laughs> hit your head against the wall. And then, oh, I don't know why I have this problem, <laughs> hit your head against the wall. You know, that's dumb. It's loud, too. So you ought to just respond the right way. If you'll allow God to tell you what's going on, you can get healed of it. 
If you get healed of it, then you won't have to keep hitting your head against that same wall. Worship team, y'all can come back. So, in uh, Romans 12, this is the, uh, the last verse I'm going to read to you. It says, Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. And do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, be or live peaceably with all men. And beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, when we read in Ephesians, all that list of bad things he says don't do, but this is what he says. This is how you overcome evil with good. You want to overcome anger and wrath and, and, uh, and clamor, evil speaking and malice. He says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God and Christ forgave you. So this morning as we, as we worship these last two songs, I want to encourage you during the first song, just ask the Lord, are there areas in my life that I have bitterness and unforgiveness that's working? It's causing me to be spewing out poison. I've got poison in me, and it's coming out. If that's the case, and you get those things identified, then, then we're going to pray, and, and we're going to deal with it during the second song. And I'm going to lead you in a prayer, and you can be set free. So let's stand and worship.
we invite you to shine your light into our hearts. I invite you, Lord, to shine your light into me. Every area in my life, I lay everything down before you, naked and bare, and I'm inviting you to shine your light, expose every area of darkness, every root of bitterness, every area of unforgiveness, every occupied territory that I've allowed the enemy to occupy. I want to root them out and get them out. I don't want them to be there anymore. So I just humble myself before you, Lord, and I say, show me every wound in my soul, every area where I've been offended, every area that I've, I've reacted to people because of some wound in my past or uh, the way that I was brought up or the way I was born or whatever it might be, Lord, everything in me that is not of you. I want it out of me. I want it out of me. Shine your light on me, Lord. Expose those things. Speak to me now. I'm listening. I want to hear your voice, Lord, so I can be set free. In Jesus' name.
Hallelujah. So if there's anyone that's listening today that maybe you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, that would be the first thing to take care of. If you want to get rid of bitterness and unforgiveness and all that poison inside of you, then you need to be healed spiritually. You need to be alive spiritually, and that's a, the first step. And it's very simple. You have to be willing to turn your life over to Him and pray this simple prayer. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I've made mistakes. I've got problems. And I know you can save me and heal me and cleanse me from those problems. Come, forgive me. Live in my heart. Be Lord and Savior for me, and I'll live for you. In Jesus' name. If you pray that prayer, then you're a new creation. Hallelujah. Let us know about it, and we'll, we'll help you and encourage you. And for the rest of us, I just want to... I want to lead you in a prayer now. For those areas of uh, roots of bitterness or unforgiveness that the Lord has revealed to you, this is how we're going to do it. I'm going to lead the prayer, and you just you say the words. You don't have to repeat them out loud. Just say them between you and the Lord. And I'm not asking for any confessions or anything. I'm just going to I'm going to pray a simple prayer. And this is the way it works in the spiritual realm. If you want to take back the area that the enemy has occupied in you, you have to make him leave. And that's what we're going to do right now. So, Lord, I submit myself to you. I surrender everything to you. I lay everything before you. And I recognize that I've got, I've got this bitterness and unforgiveness in me. And I confess that as sin. And I repent from that. I don't want that poison in me any longer. And I ask that you cleanse me. Wash me in your blood. Forgive me and make me whole. Heal my wounds in my soul. Raise me up to newness of life. Because I'm healed now, because I'm whole, Satan, you have no place in me anymore. You've got to go now. I reject and renounce all those things that I've agreed with, all those things I've listened to, any lies or deception that I've, I've accepted in my life, I just reject all that. And I say, go now in Jesus' name. And I am free. This is my Independence Day. Today, I am free of bitterness and unforgiveness. Today, I am free and I will walk in freedom yes. because Christ has made me free Hallelujah. and I'm going to stand in that freedom. Yes. And I'm not going to be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Hallelujah. And so, Lord, remind me. If I begin to fall back into that, remind me. I just need to, I need to repent, confess, and renounce. And if I do that, every time it comes up, I'll get victory in every yes. part of my life and I'll be walking in victory Thank and you. those areas will not be occupied or causing me problems anymore because I'll be occupying them and overcoming evil with good. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for hearing my prayer and setting me free. In Jesus' name. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may he lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his perfect peace. Yes. Go in Jesus' name. Be free, be healed, be whole, and have a blessed week. Hallelujah. Be safe. Amen. Amen.